Enterprise Management 360, your main source for tech news, analysis, podcasts, and videos for the enterprise. Hello and welcome to the EM360 podcast, where we have a weekly conversation with people who are impacting the enterprise tech landscape. My name is Christina Stathopoulos, and I am dedicated to the world of data. I'm currently an analytical lead for Waze at Google, an adjunct professor of analytics at IE Business School and ISD, and an active public speaker in the space. I am very excited to be here today because in today's episode, I am joined by Jay Goldman, co-founder and CEO of Sensei Labs. We're going to be talking about the key to successful, sustained transformation. Welcome, Jay. How are you doing today? I'm great, Christina. Thanks for having me. Of course. It's great to have you on. Could you, could you start by introducing yourself to our listeners? Tell us a little bit about who you are and what you and your team do at Sensei Labs. Yeah, absolutely. I'm Jay Goldman, co-founder and CEO of Sensei Labs. We're an enterprise SaaS company with a worldwide customer base who use our platform to help orchestrate their most critical transformations. We work primarily with large enterprise. About 20% of our customer base is Fortune 500. And they use our conductor platform for orchestrating transformation, whether that's a actual transformation like a digital or strategic transformation, whether it's a post-merger integration of a transformative acquisition or divestiture, whether it's a transformative uh, procurement cost transformation where they might be reducing their spend. Uh, those sorts of large critical programs might be several years long and have tens or hundreds of people collaborating together towards realizing often tens or even hundreds of millions of dollars worth of benefits, or in the rare case, sometimes even billions of dollars worth of benefits. Okay, so some some serious business here. Um, I would... I would love to begin our conversation at the beginning, starting with the the company origin story. We spoke previously, you and I, about a book, The Decoded Company, which you co-wrote and which inspired the origins of Sensei Labs. So can you tell us about that origin story? Yeah, absolutely. We we wrote the Dakota Company because we were leading an organization called Click, which is a marketing agency or really a commercialization partner in the life science space. Click is the largest independent life science commercialization partner in the world and works with biotech and pharma companies to help bring their life-saving therapies to market. And so I was part of the leadership team there, along with two of my co-authors, Liram Siegel and Aaron Goldstein, who co-founded the company. And we were... Uh, we found ourselves often telling the story of Click because Click is really an amazing growth engine. It has grown 30 to 40% year over year since it was founded. It's the 25th anniversary today. So you can imagine that is quite a growth curve and a success story. So Click has been this amazing growth story since the very beginning. And we found ourselves telling the story often. And so we thought we would write a book about the experience of leading the business and how we had used data and technology to build this very talent-centric workplace, which attracted the best talent in the industry. And so we started the journey of writing The Dakota Company. We brought on a fourth co-author, Rahaf Harfouche, who came from the World Economic Forum and working with Don Tapscott on a number of his books. And along with Rahaf, we wrote a book about how to turn the data lens inward and use it to understand what happens inside your organization, how to engage your people, how to build a talent-centric, data-driven workplace. 
The book came out in 2014, and really our hypothesis was we would attract some talent to come and work at Click because people would read the book and decide that they wanted to work at a place that was run that way. And we were sort of right about that hypothesis, so we did attract some talent. But more actually surprisingly, we happened to write a book about big data and about talent centricity at exactly the right moment. We got very lucky with the timing. And those two things became really big trends just as the book came out. And it led to the book becoming a New York Times bestseller, which was an incredible journey and very unexpected. And it gave us the chance to speak all over the world. We spoke at places like Harvard Business School, uh, at a number of Google's campuses, Twitter's headquarters, NASA, Khan, a TEDx event. And so everywhere that we spoke, we would have a lineup of people when we came off stage who wanted to know where they could buy the software that we had talked about in the book and in our presentation. And at the time, it was a proprietary platform that we had built for ourselves called Genome, which ran Click and still does to this day. And so we realized there was an unmet market opportunity here to bring a platform like Genome to market, and that led to the creation of Sensei Labs and our conductor platform. Incredibly interesting story. Timing is everything, it sounds like. And with this book, you had a, even more success than you, than you expected. So that sounds incredible. Yeah, incredible, incredible journey. And I have a copy of the book that I'm just getting started with myself. So I'm very much looking forward to learning more from that guide. Now, diving into the mission behind your company, tell me what is the difference between traditional tech enablement of transformation and this quickly emerging new way of operating and executing transformation with enterprise orchestration. What is behind this new enterprise orchestration term? If we think back to transformation as a trend, let's say it's been going on for maybe a decade now, um, under the term transformation, obviously people have been running transformative projects for longer than that. But if we think about transformation as maybe a decade-long trend, and we think about really the last three years of re of very accelerated transformation because of the pandemic, because of supply chains and the war in Ukraine and all of these factors that have forced businesses to change the way that they work, to adopt new technology, to switch their supply chains, to deal with market conditions that change on a daily basis. All of those forces require a much faster rate of change. So we think of this as survival of the fastest. And the need to keep up with that change means that you need to go from an enterprise posture of maybe running transformation projects and thinking of them in a more traditional project and portfolio management perspective of fixed term, fixed outcome projects that you're going to run. And that mentality might come maybe more from the IT side when we think about something like upgrading an ERP or migrating to a new ERP as a digital transformation. It is a very fixed-term project. And move towards an enterprise posture of being in a constant state of evolution. We refer to that as enterprise orchestration. It's this idea that to be successful, you have to adopt a enterprise posture that enables you to constantly change and transform to keep up with constantly changing market conditions. And you need to be able to conduct a symphony of your best players who are all playing in sync from the same playbook you know, at the same time. And that state is how you will have a competitive advantage that allows you to succeed far better than anyone else in your competitive set. Okay, so transformation is is more important than ever. I think this is not a surprise 
to many of us, given modern day trends, now you need to adapt as a business or you're quickly going to get left behind. And my understanding is that you are on the cutting edge of this management technology. You're enabling companies to change with the times. And um, as well, nothing is more important for a company than their people, their culture, and then of course the processes and technology to make things happen. So you're you're addressing all of this, I believe, at Sensei Labs with digital work workplace solutions. Now, I think one thing our listeners will be eager to know is how can common delivery challenges be solved with enterprise orchestration? Yeah, we think of this as the intersection of people, process, and technology. So in order to be successful, you have to solve for all three of those. And at the intersection of them, if this was a Venn diagram in the center of those overlapping circles, you have enterprise orchestration and the the ability to successfully run and deliver these massive programs. And they don't even have to be massive in the sense that we work with, you know, as I said earlier, Fortune 500 companies. A massive program for your organization can be much smaller than what might happen if you were a global multinational, but it's still massive within your scope and your need to deliver change, and your need to deliver benefits that you've committed to. So think of these programs as having to address people, process, and technology. In addressing those, we've really come across six common transformation challenges. This comes from our work on a global basis across pretty much every industry and at a wide variety of company sizes. We don't only work in the very, very large. We do work in the mid-tier organizations as well. So coming from those thousands of projects we've helped to orchestrate on on a worldwide basis, we've extracted this common set of transformation challenges. And the six of them are inconsistent planning, A lack of benefits tracking, think of benefits as a general term for data and KPIs, often financial, but not necessarily only. A lack of benefits tracking could be that you aren't tracking it properly, or you have lots of multiple sources, and they're highly manual efforts to pull it all together. Ineffective collaboration that causes delays because you aren't coordinating across different work streams or different teams. A lack of continued risk management which means that risks that could have been tracked and managed and mitigated aren't because they weren't tracked properly, and so now they become issues that affect the likelihood of successful transformation. No single source of truth, so everyone is referring to their own set of data. You don't have real-time visibility to that single set of data, which is the truth about the project. And then lastly, highly manual processes, which require dedicated FTEs to work those processes. They are inefficient and slow. As an example of that, we will often see when we get involved in a program, and this number is actually held remarkably consistent across all of the types of programs we've helped to orchestrate and at different scales, 25% of the work effort of any program is status reporting which if you think about it means a quarter of the investment you're making in that program pays for people to track status, not to deliver high value outcomes. And if you automate a lot of that status tracking, you can get that number down to about 5%. I think everyone can relate to these challenges you've covered. And especially for me, they sound all too familiar. Um, And as you were noting, you talked about this this, um, overlap of people, process, technology. It also reminds me a little bit as well, coming from a data science background um, and adopting like data strategies, um, really you're only as strong as your weakest link. And especially in this case between people, process, technology. 
And you mentioned there are six challenges, right? You went through six yes. challenges. Yeah. Is, does this have anything to do with the six principles covered in your book? It doesn't. Uh, they're <laughs> just a lucky coincidence. Okay. Yeah. So it decoded is broken down into the the sort of four main, sorry, three main areas. So the de- the decoded company, a properly decoded company, has adopted technology as a coach, which is the idea that uh, if you think about any great human achievement, so think about top athletes or or CEOs or um, musicians, they often or in fact, almost always will have a coach who is helping them to achieve that success. And if we could apply that same model to everybody, we would get everybody to a higher state of performance, but it's not a very scalable model. It's impossible to give a coach to everybody in your organization. Luckily, technology has evolved to the point now where it can provide a lot of that coaching. It's not maybe equivalent to a human coach, but you can get a lot of the right guidance for people to achieve a higher state of performance by using technology as a coach. So that's the first decoded principle. The second principle is data as a sixth sense, augmenting our existing five senses with the ability to have the right data in front of the right person at the right time, which enables them to make better decisions faster. And that includes needing to teach some data literacy, understanding how to handle that data and how to work with it. And then the third principle is engineered ecosystems, which is the idea that you can intentionally engineer your ecosystem, your culture, your ways of working, the approaches that you take, how you think about the people in your organization and the constructs around them to achieve far greater outcomes. Okay. So in the book, it's these three principles that you break down, right? Yeah. Okay. All right. So three, six, (laughs) I I got them confused. But um, going back to these these challenges that we were speaking about before. I think one of the, if not the biggest challenge for companies today is what we've, we've covered throughout the conversation, which is this ability to constantly adapt and transform. We naturally get stuck in our ways. It happens. And I know that you all are helping with this from the, the management toolkit side, but tell us what is meant by this constant state of transformation and why is this necessary for survival today? Well, part of why it's necessary for survival, I think probably has always been true. You can go way back to ancient Greece and the idea that the only constant is change has been around since then. So I think we're all used to that. But the rate of change is accelerating. So if you think about a business in early 2020 who was sort of doing their annual planning cycle maybe and thinking, this is going to be our year, we are going to nail everything this year, and that was their sort of strategy that they were putting together in January and February of 2020, they got a big surprise in March when you know when everyone else got a big surprise in terms of the pandemic, and it changed everything for everyone around the world. And so the rate of those black swan events, to use the term, and a black swan event is the unexpected event, right? You expect swans to be white because almost every swan you've ever seen is white. And so you maybe haven't even considered the idea that there might be black swans. And in fact, there are black swans. They're just very rare. So a black swan event comes along and it can be completely disruptive. The rate of those black swan events has increased. So now we're dealing with still the the leftover effects of the pandemic, and also now it's completely disrupted global supply chains. And now inflation is running rampant, and the markets are crashing. And so all of these things layer on top of each other, and it can feel very overwhelming. And in fact, there's an increase 
dramatically in the rate of anxiety that people are experiencing because of the impact of all of these things, plus climate change, plus all of these other effects that are, are multiplying on top of each other. In that environment, if you are approaching business from the lens of, we want to go back to normal. So every time one of these things happens, your approach is, okay, yes, but this is temporary and we'll go back to normal after. Your business is going to fail because we are now in a state more than ever where this has just now become the normal. The rate of change is not going to slow down. The compounding effects of all of these different things isn't going to go away. And so unless we're able to adopt a posture of being ready for that change and a constant state of transformation, we're not going to be successful in being able to manage. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I love that reference to Black Swans. Um, for those not familiar, there, there's a book, Black Swan, by Nassim Nicholas Taleb, um, recommended for everyone. But Wonderful, putting it into perspective with the way that the market is today. We're seeing more black swans than ever. We need to be able to adapt to this change or you can quickly get left behind. Now, shifting the conversation a bit, one thing I wanted to make sure I asked today is how does this enterprise orchestration start fast and evolve approach that you have, how does it deliver both immediate near and long-term strategic and financial benefits. This is something unique that I think you have that you address both sides of the near and the long-term. You know, I, I, I think one of the problems with change management when you think about human nature and change, and this is the people circle in the people process and technology overlap. Well, first of all, one of the problems is we don't do enough to address change management. So when people are running these large transformations, often it's the piece that gets left out. We think about the process and the technology a lot more. We think less about the people side. And I don't necessarily mean, um, in this case, people external to the organization. So if you're thinking about maybe digitizing a service delivery that used to be given in person and now you're moving it online, you probably spend a lot of time thinking about your customers as people, but you don't spend a lot of time thinking about your own people. And the concept of change fatigue, where you're going to burn them out and they're not going to be able to adapt to that change, is a very real problem in large transformations that doesn't get enough attention and doesn't get addressed enough. So one of the things we've seen with our customers is you need to start quickly and you need to build momentum. But in that momentum, you also need to start to have early wins, which get people passionate and excited about the transformation ahead of them. I was just talking to someone the other day who has been given a fairly impossible transformation task. Unfortunately, I don't think she's going to succeed. But part of the problem for her is that she's an outside consultant who's come into a fairly large organization and been given a mandate for change. And she doesn't have the political capital internally to be able to affect change, but also the amount of change she's been asked to achieve in a short timeline is going to be very, very difficult. And the only way she's going to get there is to start early, to start fast, and to evolve into that transformation. So pick some small early wins that are going to start to build that momentum. We think sometimes in this context about you need missionaries, not mercenaries, which is a John Dewar quote. John was part of the leadership of Intel and an early uh, Silicon Valley VC and a big proponent of the OKR's approach to, to management. So John talks about missionaries, not mercenaries, which is really you need people who are excited and passionate about your cause and not people who are just there to collect a paycheck. And that's definitely true in transformations. And that start fast and evolve enables you to build missionaries by giving them early wins that they can be excited about. 
As a software vendor, we think it's also really important that your software can start fast and evolve. So in the past, if you've ever been part of a large enterprise software rollout, it's not uncommon to look at that rollout period measured in months or even years, especially on the larger end. If you've done something like an ERP rollout, it's not uncommon for that rollout period to be measured in multiple years of how long it's going to take to build and configure and set up the new environment and then do the migration. Now, the challenge here is if you're trying to deliver a transformation within an organization, you don't have years. In fact, you don't have months to set that up. And so you need to look at software platforms that can get started very quickly. We have a fast start option with Conductor where our commitment to our customers is you are up and running in three days if you pick one of our fast start pre-configurations, which are smart configurations of conductor for various different types of programs that you might deliver. And we do the same with our partners. So we are partnered, for example, with Carney, the management consulting firm. Carney uses conductor as their enterprise orchestration platform globally for all of their mid and large size engagements. And they have built out a bunch of fast start configurations around their IP and their approaches to different types of programs. With one of those, you can be up and running in as few as three days. That is transformative in the world of enterprise software. I like this approach, Jay, to get to get momentum early on. I think it's key because many times you'll find management shying away from or, or finding it more difficult to buy in to projects that only have that long-term vision. So it's this modern dilemma of balancing the short-term and the long-term business pressures, and your approach is addressing that. It's found a way to conveniently address both at the same time. And like you said, you've got this quick start solution even that would allow you to get ramped up fast um, and start seeing changes. After everything that we have talked about today, we all may selfishly want to know, and I, I, I do as well, how does this apply to me and my organization? So how can an organization assess their current state of delivery capabilities and identify where and how to get started on this path to next-gen orchestration? Yeah, I, you know what, I, I think it's a great question. And I mean, part of the answer to the question is you have to be able to do an honest assessment of where you are today, which is maybe a challenge for some organizations. I think uh, if you have a culture which emphasizes optics over outcomes, which is a term that we use when we're thinking about uh, maybe more traditional, especially large enterprise culture, where it's less about what you actually accomplish and more about the politics and your ability to message that you've been successful at doing things. So in those sorts of cultures, it's going to be difficult to get a proper assessment. But if you are able to give yourself an honest review of where you are, then you can easily kind of figure out where you're falling behind maybe others and where the best opportunity is to move forward. So what we've actually done is develop an enterprise orchestration maturity model, which takes a look across a set of 10 different dimensions that measure the different things that companies need to be good at in order to get to enterprise orchestration. And this is a review of the enterprise posture, which we've talked about a few times during this podcast, that moves from being in highly reactive siloed teams who are just getting the work done that are sort of locked within their own groups. They, they are maybe successful, but only within their team or department to evolving towards enterprise orchestration, which is a fully predictive state to be in. And along the way, there's, there's four different levels to this maturity model. So you start off at siloed teams, 
Then you move up to informed cross-functional teams where you are getting some collaboration between teams or departments. Then you move up to enterprise project portfolio management where you actually have a defined project management or transformation management office or group who are leading that charge. And then you get all the way up to enterprise orchestration where everyone in the organization has the ability to be transformative, where you have all of your best players playing together from the same songbook. And so what we've put together is an assessment around your enterprise posture as you move across these four levels. And uh, we're actually offering that to anybody who's interested. You can visit our website, senseilabs.com, for more information about how you can get an assessment for yourself. And it will help you to understand across a set of key dimensions where you are today and where the best opportunities are for you to evolve towards enterprise orchestration. Perfect. So you've thought ahead. You're saying everyone should give themselves an honest review and you're offering that with this enterprise maturity model assessment. So super helpful. Um, and I have to say this this conversation today has been extremely uh, enlightening. You're very knowledgeable of the subject, Jay. So thank you. Um, I've learned a lot personally. I'm sure our listeners have as well. So thank you for all of the great insight on today's topic. And as well, thank you to everyone who tuned into our conversation. Remember that if you would like more information on what we've discussed, make sure that you head on over to senseilabs.com. It's spelled S-E-N-S-E-I labs.com. We will be back next week with another episode in our podcast series. Until then, make sure you subscribe to this podcast on all major platforms. Follow the conversation on our socials at EM360Tech on Twitter and LinkedIn. And for more great daily content, head on over to EM360Tech.com.